0: Uh, but I want to jump into this today because uh, we already spent a long time ministering in worship, and so uh, I want to get right into the Word. You know, on Tuesdays, I, uh, I sit down with the staff, and I ask them for feedback on the sermon. And sometimes Mark's feedback is, that was a fire hose sermon. That's a, that felt a little bit like we were sipping off a fire hose, and so... Today might be a fire hose sermon. It's, uh, uh, I, I'm excited. I've been stirred up for this all week, and uh, we're going to jump into this. You'll notice our 24 over here, there, there's no light bulbs in it. It is, it is empty. So, so Pat's not squinting during service. Um, but listen, I, as I was taking these light bulbs out this week and I was looking at it empty, I just had the thought, I want it to bother us that it's empty right? I want us to not be okay that it's empty. I want us to think about starting to screw in light bulbs as quickly as we can so that it doesn't stay empty. And uh, so let's be praying about that. Let's be praying about who are those light bulbs out in Kauai, in your neighborhood, in your family, at your workplace. Who are those future light bulbs? that you're supposed to share the gospel with and bring to church so that we can begin to welcome people into the family of God. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And if you're here and you're one of those folks who's raised your hand the last couple of Sundays and and made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you with some next steps. One of those next steps is to grab our rooted Bible reading calendar off the uh, Welcome Center back there. And uh, we read a chapter together every day in the Bible as a church. But if a chapter is too much for you starting off on the the calendar, it also has just a verse or just a few verses. Just start reading the Bible a little bit every day. Get plugged into community. This Wednesday night, Mark and Val have a home group in the Hanapepe area. And then Shannon and I have a home group right here at the Parsonage for those of us in the Southside area. Get plugged into community. And then at the end of the month, start praying about starting a discipleship journey with the masterpiece process. So those are just some next steps for those of you that are making a decision, and we're so excited about that. We're going to continue vision casting. We started last Sunday, and so if you missed any of the vision that we declared last Sunday, go back, check out the video, check out the podcast, get caught up. But we're going to continue today. You can get your notes out. You can find your notes in the bulletin. They're on our church app. They're attached to this video if you're watching this video on our website, or they're attached to this audio if you're listening to the podcast. Here's our big picture point today. We are prophetically declaring that the season is now for Kauai Bible Church to come into alignment with God's heart for the harvest and for the nation's. So I believe we're going to do some prophetic preaching today. We are going to declare what is God saying right now over Kauai Bible Church. And I want that prophetic preaching to to stir us. I want to give you a couple of ideas. First off, I read a book this week called The Prophetic Advantage by Mark Cargill. Mark Cargill is a pastor in Tucson, Arizona. And his concept of the prophetic advantage is this, is that if you have the prophetic you have an advantage over everybody that doesn't have the prophetic, right? If you think about sports or competition, you're always looking for that competitive edge. You're looking for that advantage that just gives you the upper hand over your competitor, Right? The prophetic advantage is if we have the prophetic, we have the right now word of God. We have the Rhema word of God. We are going to have an advantage. We are going to have a comfort that others don't have. We are going to have the inspiration that others don't have. We're going to have the confidence that others don't have. We're going to have strategies that others don't have because we hear God speaking. We want a prophetic advantage, And I also want to talk a little bit about being dangerous. Being dangerous when we have the prophetic. C.S. Lewis, his classic book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you guys are familiar with this story, Susan is the first one to end up in Narnia when she went through the wardrobe And as she's in Narnia, she meets the Beaver family, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And as she's sitting down with the Beaver family, Mr. Beaver is telling her about Aslan. And we know that Aslan is a metaphor for Jesus in in the allegory that is the Chronicles of Narnia. And Mr. Beaver says to Susan, Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, is he quite safe I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion. He's wild, you know, not like a tame lion. But he's good. Come on. We're not looking for a safe lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he's good. We're not looking for safe. We're looking for dangerous. Jim Elliott, who was a missionary in Ecuador, who was killed by the very tribe that he was trying to reach with the gospel, his prayer was this, Oh, that God would make us dangerous. So Kauai Bible Church, as I share prophetically today what God has put on our hearts for the church, I want us to think about that we're going to have an advantage and we're going to be dangerous against the kingdom of God, against the kingdom of the enemy. We're going to be dangerous against the kingdom of this world. We're going to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. We're going to have an advantage, and we're going to be dangerous. So let's go after this. I want to begin to share with you some of the words that God has given us prophetically for 2024. I'm going to give you two of them today. I'm going to save one for a couple of weeks from now because it's going to be a sermon unto itself. But I'm going to give you two today. But I want to start. Uh-oh. The live stream just went down. I'll get it back up again here. Spencer, if you want to make sure we're still live streaming. There we go. Look at that. Multitasking. Come on. Yes, sir. So I want to start with the word pioneer. God dropped this word in my heart in November of 2022 when we were having our 50th anniversary celebration. And so it was one of our words for 2023 was was pioneer. And I'm not ready to let go of that word because I don't feel like we've fully gotten it yet. I want to talk about this a little bit and I want to illustrate this. And I want to show you something that, yes, is going to be a little bit of bad news. But then we're going to talk about that it's also some good news. It's also going to be the setting for what God is doing, all right? So I just want to preface that. So what I want to do is we're going to put up on the screen, I want to talk about our average weekly adult attendance at Kauai Bible Church. Now, this is just the adults. This is not the children. But I want us to look at what's been happening. First off, I started tracking this in September of 2018. And so from September of 2018 to April of 2019 our average Sunday attendance was 116 adults. Then the second half of 2019, from July to December, it dropped to 92. Well, what happened? Well, uh, in early 2019, some unhealthy things came up. Some things weren't dealt with the right way. We had to address those things, but it caused a lot of hurt in our church, and a lot of people left. And so we saw that number drop from 116 to 92. The first two months of 2020, it stayed pretty much the same. It's kind of a small sample size. But then, of course, 2020 happened, right? And from March to October, we did not have any meetings here in the building. We met online only for a couple of months. And then for six months, we met outdoors on our field doing drive-in services. And then the last two months of 2020, we came back into the building. But we did two really small services. We had everybody spread out with the chairs and everything. And the number dropped from 89 to 67, Then in 2021, and just so you know, that that was the norm for pretty much every church in America. They saw that kind of of a drop. In 2021, it stayed about the same at 65. In 2022, though, it dropped again. And I can't tell you exactly why at 52. And then in 2023, we stabilized at that number at 51. So let's talk about the bad news. The bad news is, is that for the last six years, our adult attendance has continued to decrease. We haven't had a single positive upturn at all in the last six years. And this is why I keep saying that this word pioneer is so important. Because if that number keeps dropping, we're going to reach a point where it's so small that we lose critical mass. And there's a certain amount of critical mass that's required to maintain 35 acres of assets. And once a church loses critical mass, it's pretty much just, it might take a while, it might take a few years, but the church is going to die. So that's the bad news. You can put those numbers back up again. That's the bad news. And I want us to recognize why I'm talking about that it's so important that we catch this pioneer spirit. The pioneer spirit that says, if I don't share the gospel with my neighbors, if I don't bring somebody to church, the church isn't going to make it, right? That's the spirit of every church plant. Everybody that's a part of a church plant, they're desperate. They're like, man, we we risked everything. We moved to this new city. We planted a church, and we've got like three people in our church, and so we got to go win people for Jesus. That's the spirit I want us to get back to. So that's the bad news. But let's talk about the good news. The last six months or so, I would say, even counting last Sunday and even so far today, we've been having some of the most powerful services that we have had in this six-year span. The depth of the ministry, the presence of God, the unity of believers has been so good and so beautiful Listen, you guys, we've dealt with some stuff during these six years. We've done the hard work of discipleship. We've done some difficult pruning, right? We've confronted some things. We confronted toxic, passive-aggressive behavior. We've confronted sexual sin. We've confronted political ideologies. We made a declaration that this is the church of Jesus Christ. We are not a Trump church. We are not a red church. We are not a blue church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And every time we have confronted something, every time we have done the hard work of discipleship, that number has gotten a little smaller. But listen, Jesus was really good at shrinking crowds, right? large crowds would come to Jesus, and what would he do? He would preach a difficult message, and then the crowds would disperse. At one point, he even turned to his 12 closest disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? But Jesus didn't just shrink crowds because he was averse to people. Shrinking crowds was not the goal. The goal was to reach the whole world. And so it almost seems counterintuitive by Jesus that his strategy was to shrink the crowd so that he could reach the whole world. But Jesus understood that he needed a small gathering of people who were completely sold out for him, and he would be more effective at launching his movements with that small crowd if they were all in. And so by the time Jesus ascended to heaven, he had shrunk the crowds down to 120 people. And those 120 people launched the movement of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. So the bad news is if we keep shrinking, the church is going to die. The good news is The crowd has shrunk for a purpose, and that purpose is to reach the whole world. And I believe, and this is just the average attendance, there's more than 51 adults that consider KBC home. It's just we all don't show up on the same Sunday. But I believe that we are set up to do more now with the 51 than we were six years ago with the 116. I believe now We have a healthy, committed people that are in unity, that have been doing the work of discipleship, that now we can begin to touch the world. And so for that reason, I am not ready to let go of the word pioneer, but I'm going to add a word to it. And the word we're adding to it is harvest. We're going to go from pioneer to the harvest. We have been sowing seed as a church for years, and it is time now to begin to reap the harvest of the seed that we have sown. John chapter 4, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Like, did you bring him something to eat? Did you bring him something to eat? How does he have food that we don't know about? But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Right? Jesus said, I am nourished when I do the will of God. And I can attest to this, man. I, I feel most alive when I'm sitting down with a small group of people doing a Bible study or doing discipleship. There's just something about that, that just I feel nourished, I feel full. And then Jesus says this, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have come into their labor. Come on, Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes. You say the harvest is four months away. I say the harvest is ready right now. In Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus, seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Think about that. He was looking at a bunch of people that were hurting and distressed and discontented. And he saw a harvest. You see, this is my concern with the day that we live in. Is that if we as a people are driven by political ideologies then when we look at the world and we see people that are broken and hurting and distressed and discontented, we raise the alarms. We're like, everything is awful. Everything is terrible. It's that group's fault. It's this group's fault. Our world is just falling apart. When Jesus looked at that, he didn't raise the alarms. He saw a harvest. So what if we look at the broken and the hurting in our community? We look at the difficulties of the world that we live in, and we see with Jesus' eyes, and we see a harvest. And we declare the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. It is time to harvest. It is time for that number that's been steadily dropping to begin to follow a different arc. It's time to find the 24. Sarah declared in our staff meeting on Tuesday, she said, Pastor, what if you got the numbers backwards? What if it's supposed to be 42? Whoo, hallelujah, come on! The harvest is out there. We need to see with Jesus' eyes, and we need to count ourselves among the few who will go out and begin to reap the harvest. Hallelujah. The second word I want to share with you today is alignment. Alignment. Simple definition of alignment is an arrangement in which two or more things are positioned in a straight line or parallel to one another. The most obvious one that we would think of is a wheel alignment, right? We want want the wheels or the tires on our car to be aligned, right? Hypothetically, if you're driving on a road that is flat... And you let go of the wheel, your car should continue driving straight. But when you let go of the wheel and your car does this, your car is out of alignment. It's bad for your tires. It's going to wear your tires out. Uh, It can cause an accident. It's not good, right? So Shannon had a prophetic vision, and she gave me permission to share her prophetic vision. She said this. She said, I feel like we hit some potholes as a church And we got a little messed up. We got our wheels out of alignment. And so we've spent the last few years in the shop getting things fixed up. And now we are aligned and we are ready to get back to our purpose and our mission as a church. We can be more focused on what we need to be doing as a church to reach our community instead of just trying to fix the things that are broken inside the church. So yeah, we hit, some, we hit some potholes in 2019, threw us out of alignment, and we have spent the last few years in the shop getting things back in alignment. Now in alignment, it's time to not just keep working on the things that are inside the church, but it's time to take the mission and the vision outside of the church, right? You can think of alignment in terms of an electrical circuit. Electricity only flows when you have a complete circuit, And so when something breaks the alignment of that circuit, the electricity stops flowing. That's what light switches do, right? When you flip the light switch on, it completes the circuit and the electricity flows. When you flip the light switch off, it breaks the circuit and the electricity stops flowing. So let's not be the ones that are breaking the circuits that is stopping the Spirit of God from moving powerfully in and through our church to touch our community and to touch the nations. Let's get into alignment. And finally, we can think of alignment in terms of the human body. If anything is out of alignment, there's pain, right? Those of you that have had back problems, you've slipped a disc, you've had your spinal cord, your neck out of alignment. You've had your shoulder socket, your hip socket out of alignment. It causes pain and discomfort, and it slows down your movement and your mobility. When things are out of alignment, that the body is not working the way it's supposed to. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 Paul writes, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Or if the whole body were hearing, then where would the sense of smell be? But now God has arranged the parts, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. God has arranged the parts. Every one of us is sitting here in Kauai Bible Church, or you're watching the video. We are here because God arranged for us to be here. He put us in this body, and he gave us a specific purpose in this body. And when we're all in alignment together, the body is moving to its full potential and doing what it's supposed to do. Come on. We want to get into alignments. What is God positioning us for? Psalm 11 warns us to not align ourselves with the world. Right, It says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Don't align yourself with the world. Instead, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. In the New Testament, Romans 12, 2 says the same thing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that good and acceptable and perfect will. So there is a challenge not only to find our place in the church so that we can be one body in alignment together, but also to make sure that we are aligning ourselves with the Word of God, with the kingdom of God, so that we are not trying to live in alignment with the world or we're not trying to make our quote-unquote religion fit what we want to do in the world. That's not alignment. If you say, Pastor, I don't have time for discipleship, then your life is out of alignment. Pastor, I don't have time to learn how to share the gospel. Then your life is out of alignment. Pastor, I don't have time to build relationships with unsaved people then your life is out of alignment. Pastor, I don't have time for covenant community. Pastor, I don't have time for praying and fasting. Then your life is out of alignment because all of those things I just listed are what the Bible considers the bare minimum of what the Christian life looks like. It's time to get into alignment. Christine Kane who is an Australian evangelist, pastor, speaker, writer. She's a total girl boss. All right. She says this, running with vision requires surrendering your own plans to embrace God's purpose for your life. It's not about speed, but about staying aligned with his will every step of the way. Come on. It's not about speed. It's not about how fast we can get it done. It's about are we staying aligned with his will? Are we surrendering our plans so that we can be in alignment with his plans? That is one of our prophetic words for this year, alignments. What's out of alignment in your life? Is it the hip? Is it the shoulder? Is it the neck? Allow the Holy Spirit to diagnose it so that we will not be conformed to this world, but will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? And then I want to give you a prophetic declaration that God put on my heart in October of this last year, 2023. I was at the MFI conference in the middle of worship, and God dropped this prophetic declaration into my spirit. You can already see it on the first sign that Mason put up outside. You're going to start to see it more and more. This is our prophetic declaration for 2024 and beyond. That is multiplying disciples from Kauai to the ends of the earth. Multiplying disciples from Kauai to the ends of the earth. 24 for 24 is our rallying cry. This is our prophetic uh, declaration. This is our prophetic commandment. We are going to multiply disciples from Kauai to the ends of the earth. So let me break down these three phrases of this sentence. The first one is multiplying. Can I just declare that multiplication has been God's heart from the very beginning? Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Listen, when God created the animals, the first thing he said to the animals was be fruitful and multiply. Then God created humans and the first thing he said to the humans was be fruitful and multiply. Then after he flooded the entire earth except for Noah's ark, As the animals were coming off the ark, he repeated it to the animals be fruitful and multiply. And then he repeated it to Noah and his family be fruitful and multiply. And then the rest of the book of Genesis is God making a covenant with Abraham saying, surely I will multiply your descendants like the sand on the seashore. And that promise is repeated over and over again to Abraham, to Sarah, to Isaac, to Jacob, even to Ishmael, the child of the flesh, to Joseph. The entire book of Genesis is a book about the promise and the commandment of multiplication. So multiplication has been God's heart from the very beginning. And it's also his heart for the church. Acts 9.31, So the church throughout Judea, Galilee Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace. As it was being built up and as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. When you say, well, pastor, that's not the word multiplication. Well, actually, the Greek word for increasing literally means increasing by multiplication. So God was saying his church kept increasing by multiplication. In fact, it's the same Greek word in Acts 12, 24 that says, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Right? The church was multiplying. The gospel was multiplying. How? Through evangelism and discipleship, right? Evangelism and discipleship. Acts 2.47 says that day by day, God was adding to the church those that were being saved. And then 2 Timothy 2.2, our favorite verse here at Kauai Bible Church on discipleship, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. You teach somebody because you were taught by somebody. And then that somebody that you teach teaches somebody else. And that somebody that you teach teaches somebody else. That's discipleship. Levi Lusco, who's a great pastor in the state of Montana, he says multiplication is always God's expectation. Multiplication is always God's expectation. Francis Chan said it like this. We were made to be disciples who make disciples until the day when we, face, when we see the face of the one we follow. And together with all nations, we experience his satisfaction for all of eternity. Right? What do we do? We are disciples who make disciples. And we keep doing that until we see Jesus. We don't ever retire from it. We don't ever get too old for it. We're disciples who make disciples. Multiplying disciples. You guys feeling me? What about Kauai? Multiplying disciples from Kauai. I believe this. I believe that every church in the world should view itself as a local church while also partnering with the worldwide movement of Christ. We should view ourselves as a local church while also having a vision for the whole world. And so as a local church of Kauai, I believe that we should see ourselves in the context of Kauai, right? Which begins with looking at our island and the mokus, right? Mokus are land separations. Kauai, depending on which map you look at, traditionally has either six or five mokus. And they had ancient names. Nowadays, they're recognized more by the modern names of the cities. And so we have five mokus in Kauai. We have the Hanalei moku, which is the North Shore. We have the Kapa'a moku, which is the East Shore. We have the Lihui moku, because Lihui is big enough to have its own moku. All right. We have the Koloa moku, which is the South Shore. And we have the Waimea moku, which is the West Shore. We have five mokus on Kauai. What if we began to look at ourselves as a local church of Kauai, and how are we impacting all five of our mokus? Could it be that we could plant a church campus in all five mokus? I don't know. I'm just dreaming. Then, within mokus, we have ahupua'as, which, fun fact, ahupua'a in Hawaiian means a pig on top of a stack of stones because the boundary markers back in those days was a stack of stones, and they would sacrifice pigs on top of it to honor the chief of that particular region. Hence, ahupua'a. Kauai has 54 ahupua'as. What is it? It's a pie-shaped piece from the mountain to the sea, from Mauka to Makai, so that each pie-shaped piece could be self-supporting because it had the mountains for hunting, it had the flat land for agriculture, and it had the sea for fishing, right? We have 54 of them. Just here on the south side, we have the Kalaleo, Apua, Ahupua'a. We have the Lawai. We have the Aiepo. We have the Koloa, which is where we are sitting right now. We have the Veli Veli. We have the Pa'a, and we have the Mahalapu. Those are all Ahupua'as. And then you get to even smaller breakdowns. You have the Elis and the Kulianas. And the Kulianas is the smallest breakdown, which might just be a few houses, quote unquote, your neighborhood. So we should view ourselves as a local church. How are we taking Kuliana responsibility for our island? How are we touching all five Mokus? How are we interacting with the Ahupua'as in our area? And how are each one of us touching the Kuleana that God has placed us in? That's what it means to be a local church. Amen? Whew, come on, I'm preaching. Let's go. And finally, the third phrase in that prophetic declaration is the ends of the earth. Probably the two most well-known Bible verses discussing the ends of the earth. The first one is Psalms 2.8. Ask it of me, and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. This is a messianic promise over Jesus, that he is going to have the ends of the earth as his possession. And then, of course, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part of the earth. Or other translations say, the ends of the earth. So where is the ends of the earth? Well, from that phrase, the remotest parts of the earth, we could say that the ends of the earth is the farthest place. How far could we possibly go? Well, if you look at the other side of the world, right? So if you were to take a stick stick it right through the globe so that it sticks out the other side of the world. If you were to do that with Jerusalem, which is where Jesus said the remotest parts of the earth, well, the stick would pop out on the other side in the South Pacific Ocean, but the nearest landmass would be French Polynesia. So for the Israelites to reach the remotest parts of the earth would be to go to French Polynesia. What if we stuck a stick through Kauai? where would it pop out on the other side? It would pop out in Gonzi, Botswana. This is in the southern part of the African continent, just above South Africa, is the nation of Botswana. So if we were to reach the farthest place we could possibly reach, we would find ourselves in Botswana. And this is pretty cool. I actually found a website that's called like farthestcities.com or something like that. And you could go there and you could waste a bunch of time just typing in cities and it'll tell you where the farthest places away are. But this website only deals with cities that are 100,000 people or bigger because if they went smaller than that, you know, there'd just be too much. So think about this of cities that are 100,000 people or bigger, 175 cities would consider Hawaii the ends of the earth right? So is the ends of the earth the farthest place away? Maybe. What if the ends of the earth meant the most difficult place you could possibly go? We could think of China and going behind the communist curtain. We could think of North Korea. We could think of Muslim nations in the Middle East that are uh, violently opposed to Christianity or to Americans. Could the ends of the earth be the most difficult place you could possibly go? Or what if the most difficult place you could possibly go is your parents' house? Right? What if the ends of the earth is the most different place you could possibly go? What would be the place that's most different from what you're used to and from what you're comfortable with? The culture, the weather, right? So like for us right now, it would be going to Iowa would be the most different place we could possibly go. Um, most different by ethnicity and people and the way people look? What's the most different place you could possibly go? Or what if the ends of the earth was the place that you go that takes the most faith? And that could be two houses down, or it could be in gonzi Botswana. What place, when you think of, that you think of in the natural, I would never, ever go there, That's the ends of the earth. Let me invite the worship team to come back up today, and I just want to make this bold declaration. I put it in all capitals just because I wanted to make it bold, and that is simply this. The ends of the earth is not too far for God. And I know you say, well, yeah, Pastor, obviously. But no, we need to go beyond just saying, well, yeah, we know this, to getting this in our hearts that the ends of the earth is not too far for God. Because unless we believe that in our hearts, we are not going to catch the pioneer spirit. We are not going to catch the harvest spirit. We are not going to come into alignment with God. And we are not going to be passionate about multiplying disciples to the ends of the earth. We've got to get this in our heart. So what I did is I did a word study on the phrase, the ends of the earth. And I want to share with you what I found because I wanted to speak life into you. I wanted to speak faith into you. You might want to get your cameras out because there's going to be a lot on the slide. Or maybe I'll just email the slides to everybody so that you have the slides. But I want to talk about that the ends of the earth is not too far for God. And so the Bible says that God is the creator of the ends of the earth. It says that God established the ends of the earth. It says that God rules to the ends of the earth. That Jesus' dominion is to the ends of the earth. That God's eyes can see the ends of the earth. That God sends His lightning to the ends of the earth. That God will judge the ends of the earth. It says the ends of the earth will fear God and that the ends of the earth will tremble before God. But that's just the first slide. Let's do another one. God will restore his people from the ends of the earth. God will make wars to cease to the ends of the earth. God will be praised from the ends of the earth. Nature testifies of God to the ends of the earth. God's salvation will be declared to the ends of the earth. God's salvation in Christ will reach the ends of the earth. Jesus will be great to the ends of the earth. God has chosen us from the ends of the earth and in the last days jesus will gather his people from the ends of the earth come on the ends of the earth is not too far for god and so whether it's the farthest place we can go the most difficult place we can go the most different place we can go or whether it's the place that requires the most faith it's not too far for god And that means this, and I want you to get this in your spirit. That means that as far as you go, God is already there. As far as your faith can take you, God is already there. So Kauai Bible Church, we are going to be a pioneer people. We're going to be a people of the harvest. We are going to be a people that comes into alignment with what God wants to do in our life and in our church. And we are going to be a people that multiplies disciples from Kauai to the ends of the earth. We're going to be a local church that is going to touch every moku of our island. And we are going to be a nation's church that touches the ends of the earth. That is the prophetic declaration. And that is my prayer that it would move us as a church in Jesus' name, amen? amen? Let's stand together. Give him glory. God, we seal this together with you. I ask right now, Lord, as we move into a time of worship, that, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would begin to minister to each heart. All oh, that you would do a diagnosis. Lord, where are we out of alignments? And you would begin to challenge us to bring our life into alignments that you would challenge us each one to find our place that you placed us specifically in this body so that this body can do all that she was intended to do. Lord, we will touch Kauai. We will touch Kauai with the gospel. We will invite people into covenant community. We will fill these numbers with light bulbs. Oh, Lord, we will touch the nations because we have the faith to believe that the ends of the earth is not too far for you, God. And that Kauai Bible Church is not too small to touch the ends of the earth. We believe it, Lord. So, Father, would you fill us with faith. And, Lord, would you let this prophetic word move us to action. That we will be a people that runs with vision. That runs with heart. That runs with conviction. In Jesus' name, amen.